Right, do you want to grab your coffees? Make sure you get a donut before they disappear. Find a seat. As Sinead said earlier, um, Neil and Kate to lead this, this wonderful church are down at the Oast this weekend with a bunch of, of leaders from the church um, doing some training with them. So they've been brave enough to ask me to preach this morning. Um, <laughs> and I've been brave enough to accept. So last week, um, Neil began a series by asking, how is your heart? Um, he looked at how we need to guard our hearts, um, as it says in, um, in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And he looked at how we need to be content and how we need to wait for the Lord, which is not always easy for those of us who um, suffer from a bit of impatience, but essential if we were to if we are to be a people with a heart after God. So today, um, we're going to start looking at John... We're going to start looking at John 16, verse 33. Sorry, my watch is just telling me I've done enough steps for today, so... um, I can... (laughs) I'm a winner. Um, John 16, 33, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the fact that he's, he's not going to be with them much longer. And he says to them, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So let's pray quickly and then, and then we'll get going. Father, we thank you for this glorious weather today. Um, we thank you for this this wonderful bunch of people who've, who've sacrificed um, being out in the sunshine to, to come and um, gather together this morning. And I pray that you will speak to all of us, that you will prepare our hearts, and Holy Spirit, that you will come and fill us up this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let me ask you this. When was the last time you came across any kind of trouble in your life? Nervous chuckles and um, the truth is, no matter how rosy our lives might seem at times, we don't have to wait very long for some sort of trouble to come our way. There are times when this life of ours can be seriously hard. From time to time, our lives get complex. We face all kinds of trouble. We have to deal with all kinds of challenge. We have difficult situations that require some serious determination. Maybe it's trouble at home. Challenges with your children, or challenges that you face because you can't have children. Maybe it's a difficult season in your marriage, or maybe it's a difficult season because you're not married and you want to be. Sometimes it's our health, oftentimes it's our work. If it's a loved one that's going through trouble, then uh, it's even more of a challenge. I know for me, when, when, when Lindsay's going through a tough time, I really struggle with it because I feel helpless and vice versa. But as we see from John 16, Jesus doesn't promise us a life free from trouble. Far from it. 
In fact, Jesus basically says the one thing that's pretty much guaranteed in this life, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, is trouble. But in the midst of it, we are to take heart because Jesus has overcome. Last week, we began by looking at the heart and how important it is to God and how important what's happening to our hearts is to God. And the one area that our hearts get tested and tried and put under immense pressure is when we face the things we'll face at one time or another. Trouble, challenge, difficulty, opposition. But we are to take heart because Jesus has overcome. Today, we're going to look at how we handle trouble, how we handle challenges, how we handle opposition and difficulty. This morning, we're going to look at how we develop courageous hearts. In the face of some serious difficulty, we can become brave-hearted. I almost wore my kilt today, just for this. Um, fortunately, I don't have one. I have like an East African kakoi or sarong, so it probably wasn't appropriate. I left it at home. Um, <laughs> today, we're going to be looking at one of the most popular stories in the Bible, the story of David and Goliath. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. The words should come up there. There we, yeah, there we go. Awesome. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched temp at Ephes Damon between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Now, depending on who you speak to, ranges anywhere between six foot eight and about nine foot seven. So there were cubits and there were royal cubits and all sorts, but um, he's a big guy. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of, of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come out to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And carrying on in verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. I mean, most of us know the story. It's an, it's an awesome story. Um, so this morning, we're going to talk about having courage in our hearts. Now, courage just in case you weren't aware, is not the absence of fear. Courage 
is more about doing what we know needs to be done, even when we're terrified about doing it. Courage is defined as the ability to do something that frightens one. Courage was Lindsay saying, I do, 16 years ago, and choosing to spend the rest of her life in this adventure with me. Courage was Neil and Kate asking me to come and work for them four years ago. And courage was Neil and Kate saying, we're not around this Sunday, please will you preach? Courage is what it takes for many of you to get up every Sunday morning and walk through these doors and and not knowing what Jesus and the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit have in store for you today. And for a follower of Jesus, courage is most times about choosing to do the will of God, even when it feels risky and we feel fearful. With all the opposition and difficulty we all face many times and in many situations, God is wanting to grow in us courageous hearts. And there's going to be need for courage. We're all going to have times when we need to face our Goliaths. When the Israelites saw Goliath, they ran away in fear. You see, these guys were controlled by their fear, and they had good reason to be afraid. This guy is a beast of a man. And not only was he huge, this guy's armed to the teeth. You put all his weapons together, and he's carrying over a hundred pounds of gear. Goliath is like any challenges that we face. That's huge, daunting, and armed. Sound familiar to any of the challenges you're facing today? Ten feet tall and bringing its very own arsenal. Excuse me, I'm struggling with hay fever at the moment, so you'll have to excuse me. Struggling to drink as well, so. Thank you. Just like David, we get to face our very own Goliaths. And it's like facing some ancient world Rambo. You all know who Rambo is, yes? Great. Except today, he'd have rows of bullets across his chest. He'd be carrying an AK-47. He'd have some crocodile Dundee knife between his teeth. You all know who crocodile Dundee is, yes? (laughs) And slung over his back would be a rocket launcher. This guy was formidable, as are many of the challenges that we face today. So what's the fundamental issue when we're up against a formidable opponent? That's something or someone that appears to be huge, powerful, and well-defended. The issue, of course, is how are we going to react to that kind of enemy? Excuse me. What's our response going to be? And that takes us nicely to a place the Bible calls the fear of man. What do we do when people or circumstances seem big and God seems small? Because essentially, that's what's going on for the Israelites who face Goliath. And that's what's going on with some of you who are facing sickness or challenges or all sorts of, of opposition at the moment. It says in 1 Samuel 17 verse 11, On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. The issue for Saul and the Israelites was was what the Bible calls the fear of man. Proverbs 29, verse 25, puts it like this. To fear anyone will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. 
Now, fear of man goes by a whole host of different names. Sometimes it's an actual physical threat or fear, but most of the time, fear of man is an emotional fear. And what we can so easily do is replace the awe and reverent fear that we ought to feel of offending God with the fear of offending other people. We're more worried, we're more worried about what other people will think of us than we are about what God thinks of us. <clears throat> and we don't tend to call this fear of man. It's all a bit awkward. So we call it peer pressure or people-pleasing. So it doesn't sound so much of a big deal. It's just one of those things. Are we somebody who chops and changes our opinion depending on who we're with? Are we somebody who just can't say no even when we know we should? We're leading crazy busy lives, but we can't say no to one more request. How does the Bible describe that way of living? It's the fear of man. And the Israelites were terrified by their Goliath. As far as the Israelites were concerned, Goliath was big and God was small. <clears throat> the problem wasn't that they were afraid of Goliath. He was huge. He was armed to the teeth. They had every right to be afraid. <clears throat> the issue was that they were controlled by their fear, paralyzed by their fear. Their actions were based on fear and not on faith. But as we're going to see, of course, even with all his impressive arsenal of weapons, God was way bigger than Goliath. And God is way bigger than all the Goliaths that you and I face. Take heart, says Jesus, for I have overcome the world. You see, it doesn't matter how impressive our enemy may seem. As we learn not to be ruled by our fear, and as we learn to walk by faith with courage in our hearts, our Goliaths get taken down with a few rocks and a sling. Carrying on 1 Samuel 17, verse 48 and 51 goes like this. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly forward toward the, the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face on the ground, face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. <clears throat> David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. The Philistines saw their hero was dead. They turned and ran. You see, it doesn't matter how big our Goliath is. Our God is bigger. So how do we overcome the fear of man? How does a courageous heart get formed in our chests? If we look back a few verses, um, also in 1 Samuel 17, verse 20 to 27, it says this. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the enemy was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. <clears throat> As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, 
and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Okay, so the first thing to having a courageous heart is that it's in our DNA. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says this, For the Spirit of God, sorry, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. When we give our lives to Jesus and invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts, we are filled with courage whether we like it or not. Our identity as followers of Jesus is not defined by who we have been, but by by, by who we are called to be. And we are called to be a courageous people. For those of you who are taking notes, I'll say that again. I know Judith is taking notes somewhere. Um, Our identity as followers of Jesus... The Spirit's moving in. Our our identity of, of followers of Jesus is not defined by who we have been, but by who we are called to be. And we are called to be a courageous people. Lacking in timidity... It's in our DNA, just as it was in David's DNA. The second step to having a courageous heart is we look to the reward. Verse 27 says, They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. Part of David's motivation to kill Goliath is that there's a reward at stake here. Now, most of us love our comfort and security, We like our jobs for the most part. Um, We like our homes, our good schools, our nice neighbors, hopefully, our pensions. You know, the stuff. Just leave it. The stuff we surround ourselves with, our televisions, our phones. We we love the stuff we surround ourselves with. And often many of us will make major choices and decisions in life based on the path of least least resistance and not jeopardizing any of that. But you don't see much of this in the Bible. The Bible is filled with tales of heroes and heroines who were able to overcome any of their fears and do God's will because they had a conviction that there was something more important in life than their comfort, their security, or their personal well-being. The Bible's heroes and heroines were driven by something greater than the desire for a cushy, entitled life. Their eyes were fixed on the goal. These guys and girls were looking beyond the here and now and on towards the prize. We see this in the story of Abraham in Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. 
By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. <clears throat> Sorry, gets me that bit. As did Isaac and Jacob, who were, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He had his eye on the prize. His face was turned to, towards something of far greater value than comfort. He left his comfortable life and lived in a tent for the rest of his life. Any of you who went to New Wine with us a few years ago will know. It's a serious commitment to live in a tent for the rest of your life. What about Moses in Hebrews 11, verse 24 to 26? By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather, <clears throat> rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. You see, these guys got it. Do we have our eyes fixed on the prize? Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, just as Jesus did, when we look towards the reward, the joy set before us, our hearts get full, our spirit soars, and our hearts get brave, and we can face anything. So we set our eyes on the prize. How else is the courageous heart formed? The courageous heart is formed as we develop the habit of courageous living. Have a look at verse 31 to 37. Just after David had been saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When David, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to guard against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. <clears throat> but David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. You see, David had developed habits of courageous living over years in dealing with some serious enemies, lions, bears, thieves. And a courageous heart is mostly formed in us as we develop habits of courageous living over years of private battles. Reminding our own business, tending our sheep, 
And what do we do when a lion comes or a bear or thieves in the night? Many of you will know um, that we run a job club every Tuesday at our community center, The Yard, which is just a couple of roads across. And um, a few months ago, we had, um, I was chatting to a guy there who um, had just finished his, his coaching session, and I noticed that he couldn't straighten one of his fingers. Um, it was permanently bent like this. So I immediately had this voice in my head saying, <clears throat> you need to ask him if you can pray for his finger. So I obviously ignored it. Um, soon... All the other voices or thoughts in my head um, disappeared. And there was just one left saying, you need to ask him if you can pray for his finger. I don't know about you, when when that happens, um, then I know it's God. And if I ignore it, I'm just going to kick myself later. So um, I said to him, um, I sort of mumbled him. We, be- we believe Jesus can um, heal today, so um, can we pray for your finger? And to my utter dismay, he said yes. So, um, first thing I did is summon support. And um, James and I had just come back from a healing conference up in Nottingham. So, I called him over and we sat down with all our experience and expectation. And <clears throat> we prayed for his finger. And... He sat there staring at us while we prayed for him. And everyone stood around and watched us at the yard. And nothing happened. And he got up and went, well, thanks anyway. And he walked out the door. Um, And I was both gutted that he hadn't been healed. But I was secretly a little bit proud and chuffed because um, I had listened to the voice in my head and I'd listened to the word of God and I'd stepped out and risked making a fool of myself in front of all these people. And it's not to say that that I I haven't seen people healed when I've prayed for them. The first time I ever prayed for someone at a house group back in Zimbabwe, it was the end of house group. We'd finished praying for everyone. Um, We had we had a a friend of ours, Val, who was pregnant at the time, and she was suffering from back pain. And we're like, oh, we forgot to pray for Val. Lord, please heal Val's back. And she went, oh, it's healed. And we're like, you're joking. And just like that, it was healed. So um, it just proves it's not about us. It's all about the Lord, and we just need to be obedient to him. So I couldn't preach about courage without demonstrating it. So um, you need to bear with me today. Uh, I believe often when we tell stories about healing, then God wants to heal similar parts of the body. So anyone who has a back um, and is able to stand, please stand. So anyone who has any back pain of any kind, keep standing, the rest of you can sit. Okay, so these guys have got some pain in their backs. Anyone who's around them, just lay a hand on them, start praying for them. Um, If there's 
any change in your pain, or you can do anything that you couldn't do beforehand, then just interrupt me and let me know, and we will, we'd love to hear about it. So I'm going to carry on because we're not quite done yet, but you guys carry on praying. So finally, a courageous heart is formed as we focus upon the living God. <clears throat> Have a look at verse 26. David asked those standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And then verse 36 and 37. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David's focus and all his attention, all his heart was turned towards the Lord. (coughs) How did the people in the Bible press through fear? They discovered that God is bigger and more powerful than any enemy, than any opponent they've ever faced. You see, it's all a matter of perspective. Take yourself away from London and look up into the night sky, and the sheer size and scale of the starry night helps put things back in focus. Find some country with proper mountains, like the Alps or the Himalayas, and suddenly things feel a whole lot different. You see... As the ordinary men and women of the scriptures stood next to God and encountered God, they were able to deal with the Goliaths in their lives. So Moses was able to face Pharaoh only after he met God at the burning bush. Isaiah was able to confront the king of Israel because he first met God in the temple. And so it is with us. As we surrender our lives at the cross, as we encounter God's grace for ourselves, As we experience his love and acceptance and forgiveness, our hearts get filled and our hearts become brave. Any changes yet? Craig? No. One of the most courageous things that any of us can ever do is to come to the cross of Jesus Christ. What Paul and Josh and Stacy and the rest of the gang did on Easter Sunday a few weeks ago by getting baptized took real courage. Choosing to die to our old selves and inviting Jesus into our hearts is not for the faint-hearted. And it's only by surrendering our lives at the cross that any of us can have hearts filled with courage. Not our courage, but his. As we come to the cross, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we join him in his death and we join him in his resurrection. And we will join him in the presence of the Father for eternity. We all face challenge in our lives. We're all going to face difficulty and trouble. And yet our hearts become courageous as we look to our reward. As we develop lives of courageous living, as we focus on the living God. (coughs) But most importantly, the only way we're ever going to get through our challenges and our troubles is by surrendering ourselves again and again to Jesus. 
and by inviting the Holy Spirit to come and fill us again and again. Okay, has anyone healed this morning? No? Yes? You want to tell us about it? Come on up. What's your name? I'm Marlene. Good evening, everyone. Afternoon. When the ladies was praying for me, apparently one of them rested their hands on my lower back, and then I could feel like a little bit of tingling in my back. I could feel a little bit of pain still, but I could feel a tingling moving. So I turned around and I said to her that you put your hands on my back, and I could feel a little bit tingling. And she was like, "Oh, that's good." And I felt like (laughs) it's been because I've been troubling with this back pain since I was quite young. And when I have my first daughter, I constantly feel the pain. So each time I have to sit down, I have to keep on putting, like, pillars to release the pain. But it would just always be there. So now I could feel, like, tingling. I was like, oh, yes. I think I'm in ill. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Okay, so I don't think, I don't think God's done healing people today. Um, so why don't you all stand? We're going to get the band back. If anyone else needs healing of any kind, if anyone needs a courageous heart, um, if anyone's going through trouble in their lives and they need prayer, please come down to the front.